And so transmillennialism, or realized eschatology, the 70 AD doctrine, is that these things, the end time, end time prophecies, all were fulfilled at the destruction of Jerusalem. Max King is the one for circulating this among churches of Christ and wrote a book in the early 70s, The Spirit of Prophecy, and uh, really caused some, some trouble among churches of Christ. And I've ex shared with you experiences of friends of mine who have fallen away years ago over this and have not come back to the Lord yet. We talked about the perversity of this doctrine that in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 and 2, brethren were already having difficulty with this, and, uh, and, and that some of them were being troubled over the, the, this teaching that the, the resurrection had already transpired. Well, that's exactly the, this teaching of 70 AD, that it's already transpired, and it's giving brethren problems with that. We talked about some of the sin or some of the false doctrines resulting from this, some say today we should not observe the Lord's Supper because it's to be done until the Lord comes and the Lord already came and, and is not going to come anymore, so, so that should not be done anymore. That Jesus is not ruling over his kingdom, so the gospel is not in effect today, so we don't assemble with the saints and we don't live under the law of Christ, we don't obey the gospel and just all of these things. There's a lot of, a lot of things that come from it. We looked at a number of immediate contradictions so that we could see this doctrine was not true so that we understood that as we proceeded throughout our study. Now last time we went quite a bit into the teachings of Max King and the reason for that is is so that you, you are familiar with them so that if you hear of these things you've heard it before and you've got an idea where people are going so that you're not just taken by surprise and tripped up by this. Now I'll tell you when we were in Mount Dora and worked with the brethren there to start a congregation, and we brought a young preacher, and he began preaching this. None of us had ever heard this before. And so quite honestly, it took us all by surprise. We had no idea where this whole thing was going. And as I told you before, a number of brethren fell away as a result of it, and some have not come back to the Lord yet. They're still lost in sin. And so... We, we went into some of his teaching in detail, and we noticed that he began with a hypothesis. And we use that to teach that whenever someone starts out with a hypothesis, and they're going to try to prove this hypothesis through Scripture, watch out. Because we notice that is a common technique of false teachers. So we need to watch out for that. We notice that King, Max King, to, to bring about all of this, then came up with his own hermeneutic, and that is the spiritual method of interpretation. And he does that, he gets that from this Abrahamic allegory in Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31 that we talked about last time. He gets it from there, and he says, okay, so this is the way we are to interpret all in time prophecy is with this spiritual method of interpretation, and quite honestly, if, if, you can, if you can get people to believe that, you can get them to believe anything. All right, so then, then we talked about transmillennialism, which is the next thing that he gets from this Abrahamic allegory, so that's why it's so important to understand what Paul is, is teaching in the book of Galatians. And uh, um, with this... He teaches that the millennium of the book of Revelation in chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, which, which is a thousand years, 
prophetically is only 37 years and it lasts only from the cross to the destruction of Jerusalem and it's this shaded area here we talked about that that last time and he says during this period of 37 years from the cross to the destruction of Jerusalem both the old both the first and the second covenant coexisted and both were in effect and we looked at a number of scriptures that showed that that was not true and we won't go over all of those this morning now what I want to do is I want us to go to the book of Galatians we talked a lot about what the book of Galatians is not teaching. Let's look at what it is teaching, and this will be beneficial for us in a number of ways. Max King, with the 70 AD doctrine and transmillennialism, which, remember, is a word he made up and that he trademarked, he's put a trademark on with his company, his ministry. I think it's the Living Presence Ministry, something like that. It's in the bulletin if you want to look that up. And so he's trademarked this term that expresses his doctrine. And, and it's that the Mosaic law was in effect in coexisting with the law of Christ, the covenant of Christ, throughout this 37-year period. So this is a very valuable study for us because there are many today who go back to the Mosaic law, that first covenant, to justify what they're doing. Many churches today uh, have instrumental music. And where do they go to, to, to claim there's authority for it? It's the Old Testament. It is this first covenant. And so this is a very valuable study for us. Not only were people not under the Old Covenant beginning at the cross, but they're not under it today. And that's a very valuable study for us. The first thing we want to look at this morning comes from Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, that we cannot be saved by the Mosaic law. And, uh, of course, there are people today who say that you can. And if we believe this thing of transmillennialism, this 70 AD doctrine, you have to conclude that people, from the cross to the destruction of Jerusalem, they could be saved by either covenant. Pick or choose, be saved by either that was not the case, and it's not the case today. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, as Paul is starting out on this whole thing, writing to people who thought they could be saved under the old covenant, or at least by keeping part of it, notice what he says, verse 1 of chapter 4. Speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this pre present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. And so immediately he sets up this idea, you cannot be saved by keeping the Mosaic law or any part of that first covenant. Those who lived under that first covenant needed to be rescued. And Jesus is the one who does that. Now go over to chapter 4 and verse 5. Chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul makes the point that individuals who were living under that first covenant, that they needed to be redeemed. They were lost. They were not saved. Remember in Hebrews chapter 9, talks about the blood of Christ from the cross, goes back and covers those under the old covenant. They needed to be redeemed. And he makes that point here in chapter 4 verse 5. 
so that he, that is Jesus, might redeem those who were under the law. And that's the Mosaic law. And so we cannot be saved by keeping the law of Moses or being under the first covenant, by, but only by faith in Christ. Now, now let's go over to chapter 1 and verse 6. Again, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. And we've, and we've made this point a number of times throughout this study, but it's very valuable. And we make this point as we study with other individuals who would claim that we could do anything based on the Mosaic law or the first covenant, that those who teach those things are cursed. And we look at one such as Max King who says there's transmillennialism, that both covenants coexisted at the same time. In other words, he's saying pick or choose either one. You're all right. That's the conclusion you have to draw. Notice that those individuals are cursed. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, I am amazed that you have so quickly deserted him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Now, this is a different gospel. Someone says, you know, to be saved, well, you've got to obey Christ and do this. But you've also got to take these things from the old law. That's a different gospel. For someone to teach a, a doctrine such as transmillennialism, that both are coexisting, that is a different gospel. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those who do that, uh, verses 8 and 9, those individuals are cursed. A very strong word that they are condemned and they are lost. Now, let's go over to chapter 5 and verse 8. Chapter 5 and verse 8. I didn't put this reference on the PowerPoint. I just didn't have room to get it all up here. But Galatians chapter 5 and verse 8. Now, speaking of these false teachers, chapter 5 verse 8, Paul said, This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. So people teaching this, they didn't come from God. And those who may obey this teaching, that didn't come from God. And, and now look at verses 9 and 10. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Now, this is what we have to understand. When these false doctrines get circulated around, and, and brethren are stumbling and being disturbed that if we, that if we don't deal with this, that, that it just spreads like a cancer. And indeed, that's the importance of this series of lessons is because this is exactly what is happening with this doctrine. It started many years ago. There were a lot of articles about it. There's a lot of teaching about it. Uh, Harry Osborne had a lesson here in 2002. You can see a slide from our website. And it's beginning again to spread like cancer. So we need to be studying and teaching about this. Now continue on verse 10. I have confidence in the Lord that you will, not, uh, that you will adopt no other view. In other words, Paul is saying, My confidence is in you that you will not adopt this false teaching as he was addressing it. Well, in chapter 5, verses 4 and 7, we've talked about this, you remember so well, that those individuals who did believe this teaching, that you have to keep the Mosaic law or do certain things with it, these individuals, verse 4, were severed from Christ, seeking to be justified by law. They'd fallen from grace. And verse 7, he says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? They were no longer obeying the truth. And for those who believe such a doctrine is transmillennialism, this is the result. Severed from Christ, fallen from grace, and no longer obeying the truth. 
Now let's go over to chapter 2 of Galatians, chapter 2 and, and verse 20. Chapter 2 and verse 20. Righteousness does not come from the Mosaic law. We've seen already in the last lesson, there's no such thing that they coexisted at the same time. Chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now get this, verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Now I want you to understand here, and I'm trying not to talk too much about this transmillennial thing. I really want to just be studying what the passage says, but we have to make the correlation here. These people were living at the time that transmillennialism was supposed to be going on. When both covenants were supposed to be coexisting together, Paul is writing to people living at that time, and he says that, that if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. If the old and the new covenants, the old law and new law could coexist, Jesus died for nothing. That's what he's saying. And so it is a false doctrine to say that they coexisted. It is a false doctrine to say that we can keep any part of that old law today and be saved as a result of that. Well, let's move on to another point that Paul makes here. It's true we can't be saved by the Mosaic law. It's through faith in Christ. And also he makes the point that we are sons through faith, not through keeping the Mosaic law. You see, again, he's writing to people who are trying to do both. He says, you can't do that. You're sons not by obeying the Mosaic law and this old covenant, but through faith in Christ. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 3 and beginning in verse 6. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. And, of course, we're, we're working our way. As you look at your Bibles, you see where we're going. We're working our way to chapter 4, verse 21, where we have this Abrahamic allegory. So we're seeing what all Paul is teaching, getting up to this point. All right? Here we are in chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Notice what Paul says. Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So he's making this point. If you're keeping the Mosaic law, if you're living by that, if you're trying to intermingle that with Christianity, know that you are not a son of Abraham. Now go on, verse 8. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. So Paul is setting up this, that there is faith on one hand and there is keeping the Mosaic law on the other hand. And as he progresses through here, he's going to also make this distinction. There is the spirit on one hand and there is the Mosaic law on the other hand. And he's going to be using some of this as he gets to this allegory in chapter 4. So we're sons through faith in Jesus Christ, not through keeping the Mosaic law. Go with me also, look down to, to verse 10. Now let's understand this. That those who want to be saved under this first covenant or under the Mosaic law 
those who want to take part of this Mosaic law and intermingle it with Christianity or the law of Christ, whether it be today justifying instrumental music or anything else, I want you to notice what the result is. Verse 10. For as many are as of the works of the law are under a curse. Works of the law. Tell me a work of the law. I'll give you one. Instrumental music. And what does he say? That's a curse. That you're under this curse. Now, verse, the end of verse 10. Cursed is everyone who does not abide in all things written in the book of the law to, to perform them. And then verse 11. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident for the righteous shall live by faith. In verse 12, however the law is not of faith, on the contrary, who, he who practiced them shall live by them. So he's making this distinction. If you want to live under the Mosaic law, if you want to think that they are coexisting and this is what these people were preaching right here that he's talking about, that there was a coexistence of this. This is exactly the 70 AD doctrine that there's a coexistence. Understand you are cursed as a result of that. And that is a very powerful lesson for us today. You know, we're not in this transmillennial period that is being, that is being taught with a false doctrine, but we are in a period of time when many are using the Mosaic Law to justify all sorts of things, and if you do that, you're cursed. That is a powerful, powerful lesson for us today. Uh, go over to chapter 4 and verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8. I didn't put this on the PowerPoint because of space. Speaking to, those, speaking to those who lived under that first covenant, however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those by which nature are no gods. So living under that old covenant, what are you? Well, you're cursed. You do not know God, and you are a slave, enslaved by other individuals. Now, Chapter 3 and verse 13. Paul gets to talk about Christ here. There is a solution. There is a solution for this curse. And the solution is Christ. Chapter 3 verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we would receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So there is a solution to this curse, and that solution is Jesus Christ. Look down in verse 16, that the seed in the promise, the seed is Jesus Christ. And look down to verses 17 and 18. This is very important. What I'm saying is this, the law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. You see, it's all about the promise and the promise made to Abraham and the Mosaic law did not nullify that. We'll look at the purpose here in just a moment. Why then the law? Let's talk about that. Chapter 3, verse 19. So someone may ask, well, why did God give the law? You can't be saved under it. You know, it's a curse. Why, why did God do that? Well, look at verse 19. Verse 19. Why the law then? 
It was added because of transgressions. It was added because of transgressions. Because there was this sin, there were these transgressions that it was added. And then look uh, down in verse, verse 21. Verse 21. And, and we'll just jump sort of in the middle of that. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. You see, there was no command, no law that could impart life, eternal life. It was given for these transgressions because of those. Now go just a little bit further. Verses 23 and 24. But before faith came, now that's in Christ, faith in Christ. See the contrast there. We were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. What is the purpose of the law? Is to lead them to Christ. That's the purpose. That is the purpose of it. Turn over to chapter 4, verse 2. Look down, chapter 4, verse 2. There it is a guardian and a manager. Guardian and a manager. So it had a purpose. It was not to save them. They, they could not be saved as we talk about salvation in Jesus Christ. Their sins could not truly be forgiven because they were rolled forward. And every year there was a remembrance of it. It was not until Christ came and shed his blood that his blood was applied to all of those transgressions and they were saved, they were truly forgiven. Now notice chapter 3, verse 25. Chapter 3, verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now what is faith? Faith is, is living the way God would have us to live in Christ Jesus. Chapter 6, verse 2, obeying and fulfilling the law of Christ. That is this faith. It says... Once faith has come, there's no longer a need for, the, for a tutor. There's no longer a need for the Mosaic law. We talked about last time, Ephesians 2, 15 and 16, Colossians 2, 13 and 14, that the Mosaic was abolished and put to death at the cross. There was no need for it any longer. Faith had come. We can't keep the Mosaic law and be saved. These two covenants did not coexist. And notice verse 26, Galatians chapter 3, and verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith, not through keeping the Mosaic law, not through keeping that first covenant, but through faith. And thankfully now faith has come so that we can be sons of God. Now, when we get to the Abrahamic allegory in just a second, that's part of this allegory, is that, is that, is that those those of the, the bondwoman, those of the bondwoman were excluded then from the commonwealth of God. It is now by faith that we are sons of God. Now, we have to make this point. How do we become sons of God? It's not through keeping the Mosaic law, and it's, it's, it's not through that first covenant. But notice what he says. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And verse 29. For if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. And so 
And so there was the promise with Abraham, and then some 400 years later, the law was added because of transgressions, and now in Christ, through faith, we are Abraham's descendants and children of God. Look at chapter 4, verses 5, 5 through 7 for just a minute. Chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Talking about Jesus Christ coming, born under the, under the law, verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 5 now. So that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Under the old covenant, you're not adopted as sons. But now, with Christ redeemed from the law, adopted as sons, verse 26. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So we become sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, not through keeping the Mosaic law. That brings a curse. Now, let's talk about this allegory for a second. It was so important to go through this to, to, to build up to see what Paul has been talking about. Just to remind you, as we've been studying the 70 AD doctrine, Max King uses this allegory, number one, to prove his spiritual method of interpretation by which he can make you believe anything he wants, you know. Number two, this doctrine of transmillennialism, this is the key text right here. And we looked at what it said, what, what he teaches about it last time. Let's look and see what the truth of it is this time. Galatians chapter 4. Now look at verses 8 and 9. Let me suggest to you that this is what the Apostle Paul is teaching. This is the point he's making with the allegory, and then we'll look at that in just a moment. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slave to those by which by nature are no gods, but now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by him, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? The allegory that we'll read about in just a moment shows that those who live under the Mosaic law, that means that they do not know God, it means that they are enslaved, and therefore, it means they are not Abraham's descendants and not children of God. That's, that's, that's what Paul is getting to. Now, let's look at the allegory for a second. Go to chapter 4 and verse 21. Chapter 4 and verse 21. Now, we're not going to spend just a whole lot of time with this, but we want to focus in on just a few, word, few of the verses. But let me read the allegory. And I know it's a little confusing. Tell me. You who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? Now, now, the point Paul is making here, he says, listen, if you want to be under the law, and if you truly understood the law and listened to it, you would understand you, you don't want to be there. Now, verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. Now, this was Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. Verse 23. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. Now remember, as we've been studying through here, that we are children of promise, and we are born of this free woman, which, which allegorically we have freedom in Christ. 
James says that we, we fulfill and we're judged by the law of liberty. There's freedom in Christ. Now verse 24. This is how, allegorically speaking. For these women are two covenants. That's the first covenant and the second covenant. That's the covenant under Moses and the covenant under Christ. One proceeding from Mount Sinai bearing children who are to, who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. So what is the point? He's proving that they're in slavery, those who are under the first covenant. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. So he set up this allegory. That Abraham, the one to whom the promise was given, that he had two sons. One from a wife who was a slave, and that son was in slavery, and represents the covenant of slavery. That's the first covenant. And the other one, Sarah, was free. And her son was free, was not in slavery, and represents the children of promise, or those who are free, those who are not in slavery. Now notice, I want you to notice just a few things in the verses that remain. Verse 28. Christians are children of the promise, of the Spirit, and we are free. Verse 28. For you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. And then also in, in verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. And then in verse 30. And this is the dagger that just really gets to the point. Verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Those who are under the first covenant, now that, now that faith has come, they are cast out. They are excluded from the commonwealth of God. If you want to live under that first covenant, you are excluded. You are cast out. That's the point that he's making. And why? You know how he started out here in verse, in verse 21. If you know the law, if you listen to the law, why would you want to live under it? You'll put yourself into slavery and you'll be cast out by God. Why would you want to do that? Think again today of those who want to rely on that old covenant to justify all sorts of things. Why would you want to do that? It brings exclusion from the commonwealth of God. Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. Those living under the first covenant, those who try to live under the first covenant today, they are not heirs of God. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? Remember in Luke chapter 12, 31 and 32, Jesus is talking about the kingdom and seeking first the kingdom. And he said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And we are given the kingdom of God, those of the free woman. The allegory, this allegory by Paul, proves from the Old Testament that you must be in Christ to be saved, else God excludes you. You can't keep the Mosaic law to be saved in any way. It shows that transmillennialism is a false doctrine, that the two covenants did not coexist, and that the spiritual method of interpretation is false and that it is wrong. 
Paul says from Ephesians 2 and Colossians 2, as we already mentioned, the Mosaic law was abolished and put to death at the cross. Turn over with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. And we want to end on this note. We recently had a couple of sermons that talked about much of uh, Galatians going up to this point. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. And much of what Paul is talking about in, 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 in chapter 5 and, and getting into chapter 6 is about living by faith. Walking by the Spirit. And how do you do that? We do it by fulfilling the law of Christ, not the law of Moses. That brings a curse and exclusion from the family of God. There was no coexistence of covenants ever, ever. And uh, certainly one cannot use the Old Testament, the old law, the old covenants to justify anything today, whether it be instrumental music or anything else, it brings a curse and exclusion from the family of God. We must fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. That's the lesson. Well, I have one more lesson I'll do on down the road a little bit. I want to just familiarize you with a couple of the key phrases or key terms from this doctrine of 70 AD so that if you ever hear them, You'll know where it's coming from. You'll know what they're talking about to a degree. And you'll know the truth of the scriptures. But that'll be on down the road sometime. Probably another time when I preach on a Sunday evening. Let's offer the invitation. If you'd like to get your songbooks out. Just as I am. Thankfully, faith has come. And we can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ as we fulfill the law of Christ. If you're not a Christian, what has he asked you to do? Simply believing in him and repenting of your sins, that is changing your mind to live the way he wants you to live. Stop doing those things that are wrong. Making your confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and being baptized for the remission of your sins, your sins will be washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. You'll be added to the church. You'll become an heir of God. Join heirs with Christ. That's what we've been talking about a great deal this morning. And you'll have that blessing in your life and that promise of eternal life. If you're a Christian and you strayed from the truth, you know what you need to do. Repenting of those things and praying for forgiveness as you confess those to God, he promises to forgive you. And we'd love to pray with you this, this morning if you have need of that. If we can do anything for you this morning, won't you come to the front now as we stand and sing.